Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. Cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It is a Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio coming at you on uh, what should be a quiet time in the NFL. Chris, I haven't said the word slow time in a while. There's been nothing slow about anything happening in the NFL or uh, really uh, the rest of the world. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. And even this weekend when things slowed down a little bit, there was so much to digest from last week. There was so much to reflect on. And there's so much to get up to speed on as we get ready for another week. And one thing we've learned this offseason, on a Monday, you have no idea what is going to be going on by the time Friday rolls around. You just strap in and you prepare for anything. And look, whether it's the virus, whether it's social unrest, uh, but I, I, I feel like over the weekend, I, I, I started to feel optimistic about everything. I don't know why. Human nature, I don't know, but but I feel like change is here as it relates to the extent to which people in the NFL and beyond are taking the racial unrest seriously and committed to change. And I, I'm allowing myself to be optimistic that by the time August and September roll around, everything with the virus will be at a point where sports will be back and the NFL will be able to play. Maybe I'm being unrealistic, but I'm optimistic. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How you doing, big guy? Uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, of course, sports is looking good. We'll see. All right. So I'm happy about that. And hey, when it comes to, you know, this, the, the trials and tribulations that we've seen our country go through the last two weeks, I mean, I, I'm with you, Mike. I feel like we've turned the corner in a good way. We've gotten a lot of people who may be on the fence to join the good fight or people that were on the side of the people in the good fight but kind of wanted just to stand by the side and be a quiet bystander. And we've gotten some of those people who have realized, wow, this hits home. I have black friends. I've seen this happen, whatever it may be. And now we've seen a more aggressive approach from maybe people that normally would be quiet too. corporations, 
powerful people, whatever it may be. So I do think that's cool to see here in this country, and it's uh, about damn time is what I say. One of the major issues that emerged last week, and this was only five days ago, it feels a lot longer than that, when Drew Brees reiterated his position that he will never agree with anyone who disrespects the flag. That was in response to the question of how he will react if players decide to take a knee during the anthem. This year, there was a strong backlash from teammates and others. It dominated the NFL cycle for a couple of days. He apologized twice. But the one donut hole that still existed as of Friday afternoon, Chris, was whether or not Drew Brees had actually changed his position. He had never said that publicly. He very well may have said it privately to teammates on Thursday, but he never said publicly, I have changed my position, and I do not believe it is disrespectful to kneel during the anthem. Well, he was forced to declare publicly that he has changed his position, and that was precipitated by a couple of tweets from the commander-in-chief on Friday afternoon, said President Donald Trump, I'm a big fan of Drew Brees. I think he's truly one of the greatest quarterbacks, but he should not have taken back his original stance on honoring our magnificent American flag. Old glory is to be revered cherished and flown high we should be standing up straight and tall ideally with a salute or a hand on the heart there are other things you can protest but not our great american flag no kneeling all caps exclamation point now again he had not taken back his original stance that that was the point that we made from wednesday through friday he apologized but he never said i take back my original stance chris and this was the thing that I think is a practical matter, forced Drew Brees to pick a side on this, to come out publicly and say where he stands now. Saying I apologize didn't send a clear enough message to me that he had changed his stance. The president forced him to make it clear that he had changed his stance. Yeah, well, he definitely did. You know, not only the apology, the, you know, the Instagram, uh, you know, Instagram little video he did, you know, the way he even first phrase the statement coming out last Thursday, right, Mike, when he just kind of, what was that last sentence? The, the way my comments were perceived, right? I mean, and those were all things where we looked at and went, okay, yes, hey, this is, we're, we're going in the right direction, Drew, but we'd like you to be a little stronger. We're not sure exactly what you're going to do when it, you know, it comes time to stand up for this issue. And uh, he made that abundantly clear. He really did. And like, I can't say enough about, you know, him, his wife. I know we're going to get there in a minute, but this is what smart people who are trying to evolve and help the planet and help people and do those and, and, and get the earth going in that type of direction. That's what you do. You self-assess. You go, wow, man, where am I? Where am I wrong here? I've really offended some people that I care about, love, work with respect, whatever it may be, they're offended. Where have I gone wrong? And Drew Brees looked himself in the mirror and made a stand and drew a line in the sand and said, you know what, even though this might not be popular with the, the commander in chief and some other people out there, I'm cool over here because I know it's right. And I got friends that have, you know, been a part of this injustice. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of Drew Brees for that. It, it takes a lot of guts and uh, good for him for doing it. And Chris, I've seen countless times over the past five days this suggestion that Drew Brees was bullied by the mob into apologizing. Oh, shut twice, up! That he the mob yeah, but, is but the one the that thing. keeps talking. Shut up! Yeah. It, it, here's the thing: it was ultimately, I believe, an act of bullying via Twitter 
from one specific person that forced him to finally throw it down and stand up and and the kind of like the moment that it all crystallized for him that if he was contemplating where he was going to come down on this, how he was going to ultimately handle it, what was his position going to be? Is he going to try to stake out a middle ground where he keeps his teammates happy? And he also reserves the right to eventually utter some version of the thing that he said on Wednesday, especially if he plans to to run for office at some point and wants to cater to a certain crowd out there. How do I harmonize that? How do I make that mesh? And finally, once he got poked in the chest by the president, my belief is that's when he said to hell with this. This is my belief. This is what I believe. This is what I'm going to stand up and say. And here's what he said on Instagram in a message posted at 7.10 p.m. Eastern on Friday night to at real Donald Trump. Through my ongoing conversations with friends, teammates, and leaders in the black community, I realize that this is not an issue about the American flag. It has never been. We can no longer use the flag to turn people away or distract them from the real issues that face our black communities. We did this back in 2017, and regretfully, I brought it back with my comments this week. We must stop talking about the flag and shift our attention to the real issues of systemic racial injustice, economic oppression, police brutality, and judicial and prison reform. We are at a critical juncture in our nation's history. If not now, then when? We as a white community need to listen and learn from the pain and suffering of our black communities. We must acknowledge the problems, identify the solutions, and then put this into action. The black community cannot do it alone. This will require all of us. Bravo. And look, even if it took getting poked in the chest by the president to get him to come out and say it the way that I wanted him to say it and many others wanted him to say it so we had clarity as to where he stands, he did it. It was great. It was powerful. And uh, that, that is a very positive end result to a couple of days where I think a lot of us were kind of wrestling with issues and where do we stand and I said all week there's no middle ground here there's no middle ground you can't find middle ground you're not going to make everybody happy there are always going to be people who are upset by issues like this the question is do you fall on the right side of the issue Drew Brees ultimately does Chris he does I mean it's 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 amazing to see that's about as powerful of a statement we've had really uh, maybe other than Colin Kaepernick kneeling and stuff like that. But when you just talk about the circumstances of, yes, hey, Johnny White quarterback, and, you know, I'm trying to straddle both sides of the fence here uh, with this whole story. And then, of course, the misstep and everything that goes that way. Okay, the apology. Now you have the president putting pressure on you. And, you know, the franchise, Drew Brees, a guy who so much of the country looks up to, he makes a statement right back at, the, at Donald Trump to say, no, man, you're wrong. I love the flag. Yes, but this is real. I mean, that, that to me is really powerful. And, you know, I, I know that Richard Sherman and other guys are so happy to see white quarterbacks come to the forefront. Hey, Drew Brees made a misstep here. There's no doubt about that but he's really corrected himself. And now he might become the leader or the face of change as far as leading white America, you know, into, into logically where we should be. So uh, that was, that was very powerful and really awesome of him to respond, especially that quickly too, really. And there has been no response from the president to Drew Brees. He retweeted the original tweets 
at some point on Saturday, I think, but there's been nothing fresh. There's been nothing new. There's been no rejoinder to the response from Drew Brees. But what Brees posted on Friday at 7.10 p.m. Eastern came not long after we got an 80-second video from the commissioner in response to that incredibly powerful and moving video that the players posted on Thursday night. As it turns out, an NFL video producer went rogue and decided, I need to do something. I'm not happy with what the NFL is doing. He worked with Michael Thomas. Michael Amazing. Thomas other players. It is a great, great story. And ultimately, the NFL is not going to retaliate. They're putting their arms around this guy for doing what they believe is the right thing. Roger Goodell responding. Here is the entire video that emerged on a very eventful Friday night in the NFL. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. You know, in many ways, Chris, I believe that was Roger Goodell's finest hour in his nearly 14 years as commissioner of the National Football League. There are some questions, though. Now, look, I don't want to take away from the statement. The statement was powerful. It was what the players wanted. When you look at the actual language that was employed, it wasn't a 100% capitulation. It was closer to 97% because on the question of whether or not the league was going to say we should not have silenced our players, that wasn't the response. The response was we apologize for not listening. I don't think they wanted to cross that bridge into admitting that they silenced players, whether it's they don't right. want to they don't want to deal with the Colin Kaepernick potential backlash and there already is some backlash. Hey, what are you going to do about Colin Kaepernick now that you've supposedly had an awakening? But look, just because the lawsuit that Colin Kaepernick brought was settled, it did not completely extinguish all rights he would have going forward. There's a chance that if they would admit that they silenced players, it would invite some sort of a second action by Kaepernick because there was a belief by Kaepernick's people that once they settled the case, somebody was going to give him a job. And it still hasn't happened over a year later. And, you know, my takeaway, though, is I, I feel like the, the stage is set for maybe a thawing of the ice between Kaepernick and the NFL. That maybe as we continue to put words into action and time passes, maybe the teams out there that have felt like 
we can't do this, we shouldn't do this, we mustn't do this for business reasons, or somebody's going to be mad at us with another team or the league or whatever. I feel like that could melt away, Chris, and I feel like somebody may actually put his name back in the pool of available quarterbacks. Now, look, it's going to be a minimum salary type thing if it happens. The fact that he's been out for three years, you don't just show up and get $15 million a season, but... I feel like an opportunity, a real opportunity, by the time we get into August and September and maybe a quarterback gets injured or tests positive for COVID-19, maybe, maybe Colin Kaepernick is on that same list that so many other quarterbacks are on that we've seen those names fly off the list onto teams over the last three years. And we said, how the hell does this guy have a job and not Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, well, I mean, we all know that that was a bunch of crap. I mean, there's no other way to say that. Colin Kaepernick should have been in the NFL, should be in the NFL now. There shouldn't be a question about that. Um, I, I'm with you in the fact that it feels like the tide has turned, uh, that the NFL might, you know, actually really want a Colin Kaepernick return this type. Uh, th- I mean, this time around, uh, as far as, Hey, you know, it, the NFL's never got, got in this deep in this type of fight. And I'm just, it, it would certainly be, you know, good, good, good attention and, you know, good, good, whatever I'm trying to say there. You know what I mean? People paying attention, good, good media focus. Uh, I'm blanking on the word I want to say, but regardless, okay, um, to me, the biggest thing still is going to come down to the individual team. And as much as maybe they think, oh, this guy was really good a few years ago and, you know, he should have been a starting NFL quarterback and all that is the individual team itself still going to want to deal with the distraction of Colin Kaepernick and also trust a guy maybe to be a backup quarterback who hasn't played football in four years? That's to me, and I'm not saying I like that, Mike. It's messed up, but that's the reality of the situation. And you and I both know coaches who are very conservative in nature anyways. So that will be the, the last hurdle. Can a coach or an organization get over that part of it it does seem like we've gotten over the hardest part of it to where accepting Colin Kaepernick and his fight and the NFL is entrenched in that. And it's a two-way street. Colin Kaepernick's going to have to get over his inherent mistrust yeah, of the right. NFL at this point right. after three years of being ignored. I think if he would get a phone call now, now that, 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 look, if he'd gotten a phone call last week in the aftermath of Joe Lockhart's column that someone should sign him now and this was all still very fresh and evolving and raw, I think he would have been a lot more skeptical than he would be if a phone call would come today after we saw the statement from Roger Goodell, after we saw the events of the past few days. I think he would be less skeptical. The question is, will that skepticism wane in time? And will a team say, hey, look, the first step is to invite this guy to come in and show us what he's got. Come in and we'll work you out. We'll take a look at what you have after three years of not playing. And you make an honest conclusion as to whether or not he should be part of the team. The danger is, the risk is, the problem is, if you flirt with him, right, you're going to invite a PR backlash from a certain percentage of your fan base. You have to be big enough to say, I don't care. And also, if you bring him in for a workout and then you don't sign him, then maybe you get a backlash from the others who are saying, you should sign this guy, he should have a job. Why didn't you sign him? Why did you just bring him in for a workout? This is baloney. This is bogus. So you could end up alienating both ends of the spectrum here those who are saying no 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 to Colin Kaepernick and those who are saying why in the hell isn't he in the NFL you could anger both of them based on how you handle it but at some point I feel like the right thing to do is going to supersede this obsession over making everyone happy I think that right, what one about, of the what biggest about, developments ooh, 
Go I was going to say, what about Mike, too? You know, because you bring up real points. They're great. And I'm just going to add to it, like, what, what if he, Colin Kaepernick, gets signed by a team and then gets cut at the end of the preseason? I think that could be that could scare teams, too, right? Where they just go, oh, man, you know, what if it doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out? And he's just not as sharp and as physically good and gifted as we thought he was once was. You know, that could scare teams off of that conversation, too, not wanting to deal with the backlash if he legitimately didn't right. earn a spot on the team. But here's my point. Here's my point. We need to quit obsessing over people being upset with decisions that are made with an eye toward doing the right thing. And we just need to start doing the right thing. We, we're paralyzed by the fear that this segment of the population is going to be upset or that segment's going to be upset. Just do the right thing. Do the right thing for your football team. Do the right thing. Generally do the right thing for this moment. And don't worry about the consequences. I, it's that simple. And, and I've been guided by that over the course of the last two weeks. I don't care who gets upset with me. I'm going to say what I believe. I'm going to say what I think is the right thing. And I'm going to try to pull others along with me or drag them as the case may be. But some of these teams, one of these teams, hopefully somebody, a coach, a GM, an owner, or some combination of the three will realize, look, we could use a better backup quarterback. We could potentially groom him into a guy who could start for us, depending upon what a given team situation is. Let's forget about that fringe that's going to be upset when we bring him in or the p people who are going to be upset if we have to cut him or not give him a job offer when he comes in for a workout. Let's just do the right thing by our team, by Colin Kaepernick, and by the, the reality of this moment. And understand this is the way football teams operate all the time. Guys get cut. Guys come in for workouts and they don't get signed. Let's not be paralyzed by fear of what if we don't do this or what if we do that. And I hope someone will rise above that, Chris, and do the right thing. No, I, I mean, I hear you, but I'm, I'm just, I'm going to sit here and again, like Colin Kaepernick got screwed over as bad as anybody in the history of the NFL. We got screwed over. And he is, his, the cause and the fight in which he is fighting for is real. It's just, I, we support him all the way. The reality is from all those things you just said, and we have quarterbacks coming in the NFL every year right now, and he hasn't played in three years, and I don't know a quarterback that I can remember, and I'm pretty big into football, that had taken three years off of football and then come back and had success. That, to me, is going to be the biggest hurdle at this point. And I don't know if any team would want to trust that or deal with that. I mean, hey, Bring him, we're in. Not Bring him in and see what he's got. But that's my point. Okay. Bring him in and see what he's got. And screw anyone who has a problem with bringing him in to see what he's got. And screw anyone who's got a problem if you decide not to sign him, if you decide to cut him. Let's not worry about public reaction to doing the right thing. Let's just do the right thing. And surely one of these owners has enough money in the bank and has enough, as you would say, self-confidence in himself or herself to be the one to say, I don't care if you don't like that we're bringing him in. I don't care if you don't like that we decided as a football matter that he's not good enough at this point. We wanted to give him an opportunity. We gave him an opportunity. And, you know, who knows what happens with that opportunity? Who knows if he gets signed or he doesn't get signed? But none of this goes anywhere until somebody has the guts to stand up and say, I'm going to do what's right and damn the consequences. I, I, I get it. I just know as I, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, and it certainly has a chance to actually be good for business in certain cities. 
Who cares if it's good for business? Who cares? That's my point, Chris. None of that crap matters. It doesn't matter if it's good for business. It doesn't matter if it's bad for business. What's the right thing? Forget the business standpoint. I don't care. They shouldn't care about it. They, Mike, let me finish the point. point. Chris, no, but you my are. point is, they shouldn't care about in four years. That's what they I, care about. Nobody's bringing them in. I understand. That's the most important point, and that's why bring they will not be bringing them in. Bring him for a workout and see what he has. Bring him in for a workout and see what he has. There's, there's 30 other guys who have played football the last few years, so they're ready maybe, right now. Why do they want to deal ready. with that? I'm just telling you, maybe that's he's the ready. issue. Okay, he but didn't show he was that much ready at the last workout. I'm just saying. Well, that's where we got to... That wasn't a real... That was a dog and pony show that got thrust together at the last minute. Bring him in for a real workout, see what he has, and make your decision accordingly. And don't make your decisions based upon social media reaction or what guys like you and I are going to say. What we're going to say is do the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Bring him in and give him the fair consideration that he has not gotten. And the fact that he's been out of football for three years isn't his fault, Chris. It's not his fault. If anything, the, the scale should be tilted toward giving him the benefit of the doubt because of the fact that if he's rusty, if he doesn't look good anymore, if he doesn't if he doesn't have the same zip that he had or if he doesn't pick things up as quickly, it's because he hasn't been in the league because you kept him out of the league, NFL. So I think that should be part of the consideration too. I'm just saying forget the noise, forget the criticism, forget whether or not you're going to lose a certain percentage of your season ticket holders. They'll come back. The question is, out of 32 NFL franchises, who is going to do the right thing from a football standpoint? And the first question you have to ask yourself, it's an honest question. Do we potentially need an upgrade at number two on our depth chart? Do we need a potential upgrade? Are we happy with who we have? Could we do better? And they're always thinking that with every player on the roster, Chris. Can we do better? Can we do better? Can we do better? It is a very impersonal exercise. They will throw you overboard in a second if they think they can find somebody better. They need to have that that candid conversation internally. Can we do better? Are we willing to explore this from a football standpoint and ignore the noise? That that's my point. They just need to ignore the noise. Ignore admit, the noise Mike, and do the right I, thing. I'm, I'm I'm with you there 100. percent I'm I'm not trying to fight that aspect of it all. I'm just bringing in the football reality of it, and that's all. You know, you've been around these coaches and GMs and all of those things, and that's all I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to put logic from the football standpoint. I'm with you. I want them to be signed. I want people, you know, I, I, yeah, I want a team to fight back against these haters of the world that would be mad at them and go, you know, hey, the hell with you. We're signing him. He's, he's best for our team. And this makes sense for us because that's the right reason to do it. I'm just saying, again, as you heard me, I mean, it's been three years. And that's not always a hot commodity as far as playing backup quarterback in football when you haven't played in three years. I agree with you. And the one thing that I keep coming back to you say, I know these coaches and GMs, right? I know how they've been. The question is, in this moment, at this time, are they going to be different than they've been? Are they going to think of things in a different way? And are they not going to worry about this, that, or the other thing and just focus on doing what's right and doing what's potentially very right for their football team by bringing in somebody who may be better than who currently is in that number two or even number one position on the depth chart. We need to take a break. When we return, though, we did get a response from the commander-in-chief to the commissioner-in-chief a couple of days after the statement was issued by Roger Goodell, a late-night Sunday tweet. We'll tell you what was said, and we'll react to it when Pro Football Talk Live continues right after this. And it's your birthday. 
So it was late last night, 11.54 p.m. Eastern Time. The president tweeted a response to the Roger Goodell video from Friday night. Could it be even remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he was intimating that it would now be okay for the players to kneel or not to stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our country and our flag? The rather interesting statement, I don't understand the intent there that there's, is there sarcasm? Is the, I, I, I don't know. But the bottom line is this. We have a clear reiteration from the president of that belief that was held by Drew Brees as of last Wednesday, but abandoned by Friday night, that any type of conscientious protest during the national anthem by taking a knee, taking a seat, doing anything other than standing at attention with hand on heart or salute is inherently disrespectful to the country and the flag and the military and whatever other laundry list you want to add to that instead of understanding that this is something that is done as an exercise of freedom, of that deliberate intention of making people aware of a specific problem, the message that Colin Kaepernick was trying to send in 2016. So if the president is going to say that kneeling equals disrespect. There's going to be a segment of the country, roughly 30%, that will agree with him, that will fall in line with that. That's what we've lived the last five years. And it's on. We're right back to where we were in 2016 and into 2017. And that whole, that the, the comment that was made at the, at the rally in Alabama in September of 2017 that really turned this into a major issue. They reached what I thought was a delicate truce in 2018, Chris, there was an issue with a new trade deal in Canada. There was something the NFL wanted. The administration got it. Roger Goodell thanked the president publicly. The president acknowledged that, and they reached that kind of that kind of a ceasefire, right? Well, it's it's over. It's over. It's back now because I interpret what happened last week as meaning players can and will kneel during the anthem this year, and the president, who is up for re-election, if you haven't heard, in November, will be doing everything he can to turn this into an issue that gets his base sufficiently motivated to show up at the polls and vote for him. It's that simple. It's that clear. And that's what's coming for the NFL over the next five months. Yeah, it, it seems that way. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're right when you say it's on. It does. It seems like it's on. You know, the NFL players aren't going to back down this time, though. They don't care. They don't. And, you know, again, their argument they're going to be able to make is, well, hey, Mr. President, if you listened a little bit more clearly the first time around, we wouldn't be in this predicament in round two. Also, what's different this time around, what you said to start the show, Mike, you know, the, the, the court of public opinion has swayed a little bit here. There's no doubt. Do we still have the detractors from white America trying to say that racism isn't a problem in our country? Still, sure, certainly, definitely, no doubt about it. We're never going to get rid of all of them. But I do think we've seen more eyes opened in the last 10 days to two weeks about this subject and the injustices and how real they are. OK, and, you know, again, I, I, you know, I haven't been a big fan of the leadership we've gotten out of Mr. Trump, the president, to this point either, right? And, and I really applaud Drew Brees for standing up to him in this moment. But, yeah, I don't know where it goes from right now. Right now. We're going to have a little bit of a, an issue, and it's going to be controversial. There's no doubt about it. But I think Americans see this issue in a different light than they did four years ago. 
The president told Cowboys owner Jerry Jones at some point during the initial skirmish between the league and the president over the anthem that this is a winning issue for me. He liked it. He knew that it was something he could just keep banging that drum, bang that drum, tweet out, you must stand for the flag, you must respect the flag, that that is going to be something that will get his people excited and angry and ultimately motivated to show up and vote. That's what this is all about. That's what politics ultimately boils down to, folks. Finding ways to get the people who are inclined to support you to show up on that first Tuesday in November and put your name on the ballot or press the button or whatever it is in whatever state where you vote. They want you to show up and vote for them and then further down the ballot for candidates of like political persuasion. That's all it is. And this is a very easy topic for the president. And I was surprised he backed off of it in 2018. And my guess is that there were some some backroom dealings that were done to get him to leave the NFL alone. And that's right. over now. That's that's done between Goodell and Breeze on Friday night. The line has been drawn in the sand and it's obvious the NFL, at least from Roger Goodell and Drew Brees' perspective, is not going to back down here. The question is, how many owners are going to sign on for this? How many owners, especially those who have supported the president with major donations, whether to the campaign or to the inauguration fund from early 2017, how many of those owners who don't want this fight, who don't want to worry about ratings dropping again, who don't want to worry about season ticket holders canceling, assuming that season ticket holders can even show up this year, how many of those owners now are going to push back internally? with Roger Goodell and with other owners who are saying, we don't care. Now is the time to stand up for what's right. And we're with our players. And if that means we're against the president on this issue, then so be it because we're with our players. Well, yeah, I think that's it, Mike. I mean, just like you talked about with Colin Kaepernick and you were right in so many ways, the last segment, right? You know, it's time to do what's right. There's, there's no more like, Oh, we're going to play both sides. No, we've hit a, a, a period here in human history, not just America. I mean, the protests are going on all across the world right now because of these injustices. And I think that this is the first time that the NFL in this type of fight, yeah, it might not be pretty, but I think it's going to have the backing of the majority of the public here, too. I do. And, and, uh, and I think that's really going to be one of the big, the big things to turn this, let alone what Roger Goodell said, what you just said. This league is not a league unless we have African-American football players. They're the stars of our league. There's no doubt about it. They're the meat and potatoes of our league. And we know they're passionate and they're knee deep in this fight, which they should be. And we as white Americans, I believe, owe it to them to get right into this fight knee deep too and start fighting with them. And I think a lot of these smarter people running the NFL have realized that. And I think the time has come and, we're going to have to make a stand to the president and some of that part of his his base. You know, I mean, our, you know, the, the player side would argue that he's been very disrespectful of the flag in a lot of ways himself, too. So this streak goes both ways. You, you can't just call it, a you know, one way. Uh, th this is that one day per year where I am reminded of the reality that we are all here on this planet for a finite period of time. And the question we all have to ask ourselves is, how do we want to be remembered? How, how, do, how do we want our families to remember us, our kids to remember us? And, and this is an issue where 
to, to me, it's as clear as it can be. And I know that, that given the, just everything that's happening and the hard feelings and the strong feelings and the fact for a lot of people, they just don't want – I think this boils down to the reality, Chris, that people just don't want their, their lives to be further burdened with something else to worry about. Life is hard enough in America today, if you haven't noticed, because of the pandemic. And it's hard enough to hold it together for your families. Folks, I get that. And I know it's hard to take whatever free time you do have and to be constantly revisiting your own experiences, your own mind, your own soul, your own views on things, and, and just have it feel like it's all been turned upside down by the events of the last two weeks. I get it. I get it. But for everyone, especially people in positions of power and influence, the question becomes, how do you want to be remembered on this issue? Do you want to be remembered for doing the right thing? Or do you want to be remembered for doing the expedient thing, the thing that allowed you to have a 10 percent revenue increase this year instead of 4 percent? And and I think that's what I'm trying to impress upon everybody. Now is the moment to do the right thing. And the right thing for me to do at this moment is take a break because we are over. When we return, some of the things that owners are doing that may shed light on whether or not they are ready to forget about reactions, forget about pushback, and just do the right thing. More PFT Live right after this. And you're 55 today. Thank you. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. We met the Denver Broncos. Yes, that's no mystery. But we are not here today as the Denver Broncos. I'm here today as Justin Simmons, a member of the Denver community. <laughs> Justin Simmons and Vaughn Miller, a couple of Broncos at a rally yesterday, a peaceful protest in Denver. Drew Locke there as well. And also, and I think this is significant because we need to see ownership involvement in these matters. In addition to Coach Vic Fangio, Broncos VP for Strategic Initiatives, Brittany Bolin, was there. Now, 
That's just her title for now. Eventually, she will be the person in charge of the Denver Broncos. That is widely believed to be something that they are working toward. It's a complicated process determining which of Pat Boland's children will take over the team. She is the one who is regarded as the favorite. Having her involved is critical. Chris, we saw a report over the weekend that the Giants co-owners, John Mara and Steve Tisch, were involved in a Friday team meeting, a virtual meeting, to discuss issues arising from the murder of George Floyd. So engagement by ownership is something that I think is going to be critical to motivating ownership to be part of the solution and not sit back with their arms crossed and say, how is this going to affect the bottom line? Well, yeah, you're right. And well, I think ownership knows that this is different this time around. I think that's the big thing. I think they realize they can't just sit behind their desk and, you know, arms crossed and just, hey, I think with a little time, this will go by. I think they've realized not only has this taken, again, taken control of our country, the world, you see protests in London and other big cities. You know, of course, our African-American community and our black players in the NFL, they're mad. They're passionate. They should be. They're pissed off. Things got to get got to change in this country. And I think the owners have sensed that this is different than anything we've gone through, at least in my lifetime since 1980. And that this is not going to be an issue that's going to just die down after a few weeks. The players are going to continue to fight this fight. And I think the owners realize you know what, we got to join in now. Like you said, the time is now. They realize it with their players. I think enough is enough. We've seen enough over the last five to six years of all these deaths that are unjust with with all the police cameras and everything like that. And I think the owners realize that. And I think they're going to back the players here now because they know the timing is right and they know there's no league players. When the Roger Goodell video was posted on Friday night, according to the Washington Post, most owners did not know that that video was coming. Mark Maskey reported that most owners were taken by surprise by the video, but that Goodell gave a few owners a heads up before doing it. And yeah, folks, so what I, owners are those, Mike? Well, let, let me say this. This isn't cynicism. This is reality. There's a small handful of owners who run the league. Those are the ones who got the phone call from Roger Goodell. Exactly. Right? He's not Thank you. That's stupid. What I want you to answer. He's not right. dumb. He's going to let the ones who actually are in charge of the league know what's happening. He's not going to call all of them because, you know, if you let all 32 know, there's a chance somebody's going to let the cat out of the bag prematurely. So you restrict the number of people who know what's coming, especially in the event that you decide to change your mind. Right. You don't want this to be a democracy. You want this to be a we're doing it or we're not. And there's a small handful who were told about it. And I guarantee you, if that small handful in unison had said, don't do it, he wouldn't have done it. Right. He wouldn't have done it. Right. No so doubt. what's encouraging is to me, as you as you boil this down. Yeah. The fact that he told a few owners and he did it anyway, it tells me that those those few owners, those owners who run the league said, go ahead and do it, Chris, which is uh, also very encouraging. That to me is extreme. Exactly right. You know, when I heard that report that some owners were, you know, surprised by this, I went, oh, OK, yeah, I'm sure he didn't go. Like you said, didn't go and call all 32 and, hey, I'm going to make this statement. You're right. Can't have too many cooks in the kitchen with a conversation like this. And we know. Hey, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to take a ballpark guess. Who do you think it is? Mr. Kraft, Jerry Jones, the Rooney family, the Mara family, 
maybe a few others that I'm missing here in the conversation, whatever it is, Mike. But you're right, Mike. Somebody of that select group gave him the green light and said, do it, Roger. The time is now. We need to make a stand. And you, as the leader of our league, we need to start showing we're backing our players. And I think that is very encouraging. I would, I would guess that it was Robert Kraft, John Mara, Art Rooney, minimum. Beyond that, I, I need to see who's currently on the compensation committee. That's a critical, right. that's a critical body for Roger Goodell to keep happy because <laughs> yeah, they determine right. his annual bonus. I mean, let's be realistic. It's ultimately a job. Sure. He's trying to get paid. I don't fault him for that. I wonder about Jerry Jones, though, because we know where Joe, Jerry Jones stands when it comes to standing for the anthem. He has been adamant. Right. He has been vehement. And it may make sense to involve him in the conversation so he knows it's coming because you know he's going to be upset. And he does have plenty of power. And you don't want to have a rewind to that period when Jerry Jones was actively trying to get the commissioner fired. It seems like a long time ago it wasn't. Remember, Papa John was involved in this and ultimately as part of his clumsy effort to to bring down a commissioner, Papa John got thrown out of his own company. I mean, it, it was a strange time in the existence of the NFL, but Jerry Jones is somebody who has been on record as being against any type of protest during the anthem, and I think it would be smart to let him know when a comment like this is going to come out there and have him involved every step of the way in whatever the NFL is going to do because I don't see him changing his position anytime soon. And if he did... That would be extremely powerful. That would be even more powerful than Drew Brees changing his position. All right, let's take a break. We're going to turn the page to football, and there is a significant tribute to Al Davis, the Raiders' new stadium that you are going to want to see. We're going to show you that when PFT Live continues right after this. Mike is older than the Super Bowl today. They opened the doors at the new Raiders stadium and it revealed an 85 foot carbon fiber and aluminum torch for Al Davis. The largest structure in the world made by a 3D printer. And this is where I'm a little confused. They say that the flame is not going to actually be a flame, but it's also not going to be a hologram or a projection. So I don't know what it's going to be. But it's going to look like that when it's all said and done. And that is going to be an awesome tribute to Al Davis at every Raiders home game once they start playing in that stadium. And, hey, Vegas is open again. I don't know if it's going to be open in September, but it, I saw the photos, and there's a lot of people, and I didn't see a whole lot of masks. And uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what that means for the pandemic when September rolls around. But that's going to be an awesome stadium. We'll be there someday, Chris. There'll be a Super Bowl there. We'll be there for it. And uh, uh, I feel like it's going to be a regular stop on the Super Bowl rotation. I would think so. I mean, it just looks amazing. And that's some cool flame or whatever that is. I mean, it looks like they're just going to release smoke through it, right? And have like a red light shining on it, whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, that to me right now, that stadium takes the cake as far as the coolest looking stadium I've seen on the outside, the inside. I can't wait to see the finished product. And uh, yeah, that place will be rocking when that time comes, Mike. It really will be. Hey, you know, you're 55 today. Maybe you want to go to Vegas today. It's your birthday, baby. Maybe you want to roll some dice. Woo, we got to take a baby. break. You know, every, you're 55. Every time, <laughs> every time I see that stadium, I, I think of the five tones from Close Encounters. Uh, and when that when those doors open, I expected to see aliens walk out, not a giant torch. It is just an incredible structure. Uh, but I'm not going to Las Vegas today or anytime soon. Quick break. More PFT Live right after this.
Sad news for the NFL community over the weekend. Former NFL receiver Donald Richey Caldwell was shot and killed Saturday night in his hometown of Tampa. His mother confirmed the news to TMZ. Caldwell played at the University of Florida and was a second-round pick by the Chargers in 2002. He also played with New England and Washington. Many of his former teammates posted about Caldwell yesterday, including Tom Brady. We extend our condolences to Richey Caldwell's family, friends, and his teammates. Um, and we'll have more PFT Live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.